Welcome to the Fox River Podcast. We are a church with a heart for people and the message of Jesus. It is our desire that you'll be drawn closer to God through today's teaching. To access notes from today's message, go to foxriverchristian.org slash message. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. You know, we've been in a great series here called Just Like Us, where we're looking at real people in the Bible who lived in real places, who had real lives, because God gave them as our examples so that we could learn from them ahead of time. And we're finding out that, you know what, they're not much different than we are. Some of them had big questions for God. You ever have those questions? Or have you ever thought about this one? How can I follow Jesus and still have questions? You know, when you think of that even, and when you start to wonder, did people in the Bible have like perfect faith? We oftentimes convince ourselves that that's the case. And so we set this expectation on ourselves that we should also have like this perfect faith, never to doubt. The reality is, though, is that we all have imperfect faith. Do you ever think that once you became a Christian that all doubts would go away? Well, I want to talk to you about this guy who that wasn't the case for him. But you know, when you have certain people that their name just actually brings up a specific word when you hear it, well, this guy is one of them. Soon as I say his name, you're going to think of another word. But before I give you what his name is, I want to tell you a little bit about him so that when his name comes up, that that word isn't the only thing that you think of him by. We're going to see actually that we see several interactions that Jesus has with this person because he's very close to Jesus. In fact, you know what? He has this relationship with Jesus of a great friendship, but he's not known as a great friend of Jesus. It's not what he's known by. In fact, he showed great commitment to Jesus. You'll see that he was willing to give his life up for him. And ultimately, in the end, he would give his life up for him. And yet, that's not what he's known by. It's kind of secondary. But commitment is a big thing, and that would have been a better term to be, to be labeled than the one that he is labeled. But we see that this man that I'm talking about is a committed follower of Jesus. But when I say his name, there's going to be another word that comes to your mind. And it's not a flattering word by any means. In fact, most of, it would, most of us would look at it as something very, very negative. And so as you think about this, you're going to find that this is one of Jesus' very own disciples. He's a real person with real problems just like us. So what's his name? His name is Thomas. Now, there's probably a word, if you've ever heard about Thomas, that is stuck in your head right now. What is it? Doubting Thomas. That's right. Of all the things that Thomas could have been known for, he is most known for his doubts. As I said, not very flattering, is it? Not something that I would want to be labeled. You know, as we began some of the brainstorming for this series that we're in right here, we knew that it would be difficult to choose from the over 3,237 different individuals named in the Bible. That's right, real people who lived in real places that had real lives. But there was this one that kept coming to me over and over again. I couldn't escape it. And it's Thomas. I think it might be because I can relate to him. I'm a bit of a skeptic myself. 
And so when I think about Thomas, I think, you know what? I'm not a disciple like that, but I have questions much like he did. In fact, I think we all have questions much like Thomas did. And so one of the things that we learn is that he's much like us in this very fact. I want to know Jesus, but I have questions. Can you relate with that? Maybe you're just testing the waters of Christianity and you find yourself with many questions. Maybe you've been a Christ follower for a long time now. Either way, this message is for you. And I think that we'll all benefit from it as we look into these interactions that Thomas had with Jesus. Maybe you consider your questions just something really small and really insignificant, not essential at all, but you still have them. Maybe, though, you would say, I have these questions that are big. They're so big that I cannot find myself escaping them and be able to go on in my faith until these questions, these doubts themselves, are answered. I have hope for you. Do you realize that you don't have to understand everything in order to believe something? Let me say that again. You don't have to understand everything in order to believe something. What that means for us is this. Maybe you're asking questions like this. How can a just God allow so much injustice in our world right here today? Or how can a loving God allow bad things to happen to good people? I don't understand it. Maybe you're asking God, God, are you a loving God? God, do you care? Do you care about me? Or maybe one of the biggest questions of all, God, are you even real? Whatever the question, whatever it may be, it's not insignificant. And it's also not too big to ask. So those are real questions that we've wrestled with, we are wrestling with, or we will wrestle with at some point in our lives. And if not that, you do know people who are wrestling with them right now. And what we find is this, is that you can follow Jesus and have questions at the same time. You see, following Jesus and having questions, they're not at odds with each other. In fact, they can enhance each other. They're not what would be called mutually exclusive. See, when something's mutually exclusive, it means you can have one or the other, but you cannot have both. You know, the NFL is going to start up this week. And just like any other year, I'm sure that they're going to have a coin toss somewhere near the beginning of the game where they'll gather the, the captains of each team together. They'll go ahead and they'll flip this coin and it's so they can create this moment that they need, this, this event that they need. It's a simple event, but it's, a, it's something that is mutually exclusive. It creates an either-or because either heads or tails will come up on that coin and it will determine who's going to get to kick off or who's going to get to receive the ball. But when it comes to Christianity, following Jesus and having questions, they're not like that. They are not mutually exclusive. It's a both and, plan on it, bank on it. You're going to have questions and they're an important part to growing our faith. So when it comes to this, like I said, there's these three different interactions that we find that Thomas has with Jesus. With those interactions, each one of them are so very, very important. 
So let's look at the first one. Thomas was significantly committed to Jesus. And we see this in, in a passage of Scripture here. In John chapter 11, verses 1 through 16. It's a lengthy passage, so let me just summarize it a little bit for you. What's happening here is Jesus has a really good friend named Lazarus. And Lazarus is very sick. In fact, he's so sick that he's going to die. And because Jesus delays in going, they think that it's partially Jesus' fault that he could have done something about it. But he's trying to tell his disciples that that was on purpose so that they could see the power of God. Jesus said that Lazarus' sickness, it would not end in death. And there's an important clarification there. Notice he said it will not end in death. But Lazarus does die. It just won't end there so it can show the power of God. So in doing so, what happens is the rest of his disciples, they realize that where Lazarus lives is not a place that is friendly to Jesus. In fact, they hate him there. And the last time he was there, they tried to kill him. So they tried to convince him it is not a good place to go. Lazarus has died. Why go? But there's one person, Thomas, who takes up a different thought here. Lazarus dies before Jesus ever even goes to him. And so he tells his disciples this, and we'll catch it in John 11, verses 15 and 16. So, then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Now listen to Thomas's statement. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. That does not sound like an individual who has a skeptical bone in their body right there, does it? No, that sounds like a person full of commitment. Someone who's willing to go to death even in order to show that commitment. Now that is commitment. So my question for you is simply this. How are you strengthening your commitment with Jesus? Because even though you have questions... You can still have commitment. Are you reading your Bible? It's why we encourage you to take the, the YouVersion app and put it on your phone and just start with. Start with the verse of the day. If you're already doing the verse of the day, then expand it to a chapter or to the story that's connected with the verse. But you need to be in the Bible. You need to be reading it because that will strengthen your commitment to Jesus. Are you having any conversations with him? When you wake up in the morning, do you spend some time in prayer? When you end your day, do you end it with prayer? And how about in between? When there's something that you see that you need to have a conversation with God about, do you have that conversation? We need to continue to strengthen the commitment, and we're not going to do it by staying on the sidelines. We need to get off the sideline. Getting off the sideline entails serving and connecting with others. Some of you got off the sidelines just a few weeks ago when you were a part of Serve Week. Some of you got off the sidelines when you said, hey, you know what, we're meeting back at church again. I'm going to jump right in. I'm going to get off the sidelines. I'm going to help wherever I possibly can. That is such an important thing. And then to go beyond that and to say, you know what, I need to connect with others and I need to have faith-building friendships in my life. That's why we're encouraging you to make sure that you join a group where you can interact with others so that when questions come, you have others who can help you or you might find out that they have the same exact questions that you do. That is so important to be able to do. To connect with others will help strengthen our commitment. It won't make our questions go away. So when we look at Thomas, 
we see that he has a couple of other interactions that we get to see. Even though he's extremely committed to Jesus, he has questions. We see this. Have you ever noticed, though, that good questions actually tee up great answers? We're going to see that in John chapter 14. One of my favorite passages of Scripture. In John 14, what we see is Jesus had been trying to tell his disciples that he's going to go to heaven and he wants them to be there with him. And so as he's explaining that, what he does is he goes ahead. They're not getting it. They're not understanding it. So he has to go ahead and help them to get it. So as they weren't getting it, this time he puts it out there as straight as can be. And the way he does this, we get to see in John chapter 14. He says in verse number four, you know the way to the place where I am going. Wow. Imagine this. Imagine that you were there with the disciples or just imagine that Jesus threw that statement out to you personally. What would you do? Well, thankfully, we had a great question asker named Thomas. And he couldn't leave it alone. You ever have one of those questions you couldn't just leave alone? You ever have one of those things that just ate at you? Or maybe somebody else did, and maybe you weren't brave enough to, to ask that question, but you're so grateful that someone else did because you just really needed to know the answer to it. Thomas is that person. Thomas says to him, he says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? What a great question. How can we know the way? Have you ever wondered that? Have you ever wondered, how can I know the way to heaven? More importantly, is that one of your big questions for God right now? How can I know? How can anybody know the way to heaven? How can we know the way? I'm glad you asked. Thomas wasn't left hanging. And so what happens is this. Out of that question comes the most straightforward, honest, and priceless answer of all time. He had everyone's attention. Jesus had everyone leaning in, listening to him. Does he have your attention? If you are asking, how can I know the way? From Jesus' very mouth, he gives you that answer. Again, in John chapter 14, this time in verse number 6, it says this. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He says, that's how you know the way to heaven. By knowing that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. You know what? You may be in that place where you don't know. Have you trusted Jesus as your Savior? If not, at the end of the message, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. And if you haven't, why not do it today? But before we get there, I want to look at one last interaction that Thomas has with Jesus. And this is the one. This is the big one. This is the one where that labeled doubter it's stuck. John chapter 20. Thomas was gone. Jesus had died, but he had rose again. The disciples didn't know it until he shows up personally. 
but Thomas is not there. So picture this. Jesus comes into a room with all the disciples except for Thomas. So what do you suppose everyone is telling Thomas the next time that they see him? They are telling him, we have seen the Lord. Those simple words is what they're saying. We saw the Lord, Thomas, but Thomas wasn't excited. He was skeptical. And the reason he was skeptical was because though Jesus had lived unlike anyone else, he had just died like everyone else in Thomas's life. Think about that. That's a hard thing to swallow, isn't it? But let's pause there just for a moment. Did Jesus really die like everyone else? Did he? No. It looked like it on the outside, on the surface. But he didn't. You see, when Jesus died with his death, he took the full consequence of all of our sin on himself. He bore the weight of our sin when he went to the cross. He had never sinned himself, and he paid for all of sin at that point. It wasn't just a normal death. And not only that, but he rose from the dead, something no one else was ever able to do. And so Thomas did not understand. He didn't understand. So when the rest of the disciples said to him, we have seen the Lord, maybe he thought he was being pranked. Can you imagine that? Maybe he was thinking, I'm not falling for that one, guys. There is no way. Nice try. Now, don't be too hard on Thomas. Why? Because his response to we have seen the Lord reminds me so much of myself. How many times have you said or thought these words? I will believe it when I see it. Regularly, right? That's common language today. And that was actually Thomas's response, but he has just a little bit more colorful way of putting it here. He said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and unless I'm able to put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Wow. Wow. The man who said, I'm willing to die for Jesus, yet I can't believe that you all saw a miracle. That's where Thomas found himself, and that's where sometimes I find myself. Now, take a look at what Jesus does. If we drop down here to verse number 26 of John chapter 20, Jesus meets him right where he was at. It took a week. It says a week later, his disciples were in the house again. This time Thomas was with them. And Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. Can you imagine that? He walked right through the door. Locked door. It says, he came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, catch this. Jesus was not in the room when, when Thomas said what it would take for him to believe. Remember that he needed to be able to put his hands in the scars, in the holes, in the side. So this is what Jesus says to him. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Man, 
You see, Jesus wants to meet us in the very place that we struggle with our greatest questions. And he's willing to come all the way to that place where we have the greatest questions. Are you willing to meet him there? That's the biggest question. Jesus knows exactly what we need in order to believe. Doubting Thomas was also believing Thomas at the same time. Thomas says to him at that point, my Lord and my God. It's not that he didn't believe that he was his Lord and God, but he had a hard time believing that a man who died just like everyone else could come back to life again. And this is what Jesus goes on to instruct him. Something for every one of us here. Because it's going to require faith on our part. In verse 29, then Jesus told him, because you've seen me, you've believed. You got what you asked for. You said you couldn't believe unless you see. I'm going to give you that. But he goes on. He says, because you've seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's you. That's me. He's talking about right there. So do you? Do you believe? And in your questions, what are you doing with those questions? See, strong commitment does not shield us from strong questions. It doesn't. Never has. Never will. So how about you? Where do you find yourself today? On that scale that seems to be teetering, that is connected between strong faith and strong commitment and your doubt. Which one's weighing more on you at this point in your life? Because it's going to change. It will. Does your faith need to be strengthened so that the doubts become lighter? Not saying get rid of the questions. Because what do you do when your commitment and questions collide? Let me give you three things. Stay curious. Stay curious by continuing to ask Jesus your questions. You see, to not have questions is to not believe in the supernatural working of God. If you wish for all questions to go away and for you to be able to explain everything, you will have no God and you will have no need for faith at that point because we have a miraculous God who does the supernatural, who requires faith, even with questions. So stay curious. Allow others to stay curious as well. Do you have friends who have questions about God and you're trying to get them to believe everything rather than the most important thing? Give them that room. Give them that space. Not only stay curious, but look for the answers. As I mentioned before, if you're not regularly opening your Bible and reading it and regularly praying, start there. In fact, maybe write some of your questions down so that when you come upon the answer in God's word, you can see that God is a God who wants to answer those questions. But you need to continue to search. So stay curious. Look for the answers. As I mentioned before, get off the sidelines. Get into a place, whether it be a serving team or a group, where you'll find others who also have questions where you'll find others who also have a faith that is flawed. It's not perfect. I'd encourage you to jump into a group, one of our online groups, a physical group that we have as well. 
to be able to connect with others so that your faith can continue to grow and be strengthened. To find those faith-building friendships that every single one of us need. And finally, if you're here and you're still asking the question, how can I know the way? Will you allow Jesus to be your Savior? There's only one question that you need to have the answer to, and that is this. Do you believe that Jesus died and rose again to save you from your sin? If you can say yes, then what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? All your questions to be answered? That's the only one that needs to be answered in order for you to be saved, to have a relationship with him. As we pray, I'm going to ask you, if you've never done that, to receive Christ. If you've already received Christ, I'm going to encourage you to go on record with God himself with what the next step is that you're going to take. Would you pray with me? Lord God, I thank you that you're a God who allows us to have questions. Not only allows us, but you encourage us to have questions. No question is too insignificant. And no question is too big for you. So I pray that you'd help us with those questions. And for those that might be joining us today who still haven't been able to answer that question about knowing the way to heaven, I ask that you would help them to reach out to you right now. If that's you, maybe pray, having this conversation with God himself, something like this, dear God, I do have questions, but one of the things that I am trusting you with right now is that you died, that you rose from the grave so that my sins could be forgiven. So I come to you right now asking for that gift of salvation to be saved from the consequence of my sin. And God, I do believe, and I'm placing my faith and my trust in you right here, right now, today. So I mentioned if you're a believer already, you've sealed that in your mind. What's your next step for Jesus? Would you pray to him and share that with him right now? Lord God, we thank you for being our God. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus. We thank you for telling us about real people like Thomas who have real questions and yet had such a strong commitment to you that it's just puzzling for us at times how someone with such great faith could struggle with such deep questions. But Lord, he was just like us. We thank you for that. In Christ's name, we pray. Amen. I want to say thanks for being here with us again this weekend. Hope to see you next week. We hope you were encouraged today. Subscribe to the Fox River Podcast to ensure you don't miss future messages. Stay connected through our social media channels on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, make a difference in the lives of those you know by sharing with them. We are grateful for you and hope you join us again soon.